0: I'm Rebecca Stuckey. And I'm Shai Shaq. And you're listening to Femme FM, a new feminist radio show centering QT BIPOC fems on CKDU 88.1 FM in Halifax, Nova Scotia.
1: Today, we thought it was important to introduce and discuss the word "fem" and the meaning and context behind the word.
0: Since this is one of the main reasons why Femme FM came to be, we thought it was really important to have this conversation.
1: So without further ado, here is our Femme fm
0: manifesto. We wanted a space that centered fem magic and brilliance, bro's step back.
1: A space that prioritized fem ways of existing and the inherent power there. A place where care politics and femme labor were discussed.
0: A space where folks could hear about music, art, activism, and politics through a radical, critical, intersectional,
1: femme-tensional lens. To celebrate all the ways that femme can be defined, we wanted to center QT BIPOC femmes, that means decentering white, cis, straight, upper middle class, non disabled femmes as the experts of femme identity and experience.
0: Space to hold emotional complexity and the venue to share our rage, sadness, joy, defiance, and silliness. To give value to femme
1: frivolity and reclaim intuition, gossip, femme giggling is radical, powerful means of survival and care.
0: We wanted to create a safer place of comfort and healing that was accessible from your bed, on your way to your doctor's appointment, or on the bus ride home.
1: We are done with the monopolization of elitism of quote-unquote knowledge. This seems to be a living resource that grows, learns, makes mistakes, and works hard to hold the needs of a community. This is meant to be an easily shareable resource for your pals, family, and community.
0: We wanted to create a space of capacity building, a space to give femmes a platform, give femmes new skills like editing, script writing, and public speaking.
1: Let's complicate and redefine celebrity and center our own community's wisdom.
0: A space that directly threatens white supremacists, heteropatriarchy, and that directly challenges internalized misogyny and transmisogyny.
1: Like symptoms such as girl hate and femme competition. We wanted to focus on building each other up and holding femme abundance.
2: Femergy. Fem-er-G. Oh, femergy! I was gonna
3: say femergy, but I didn't know if it was corny.
2: I, <laughs> I was also it. gonna say it. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I got on Wait, the
4: femergy train. That,
3: thats the femergy in it's this great, room. Oh,
4: We're yes. building up some femergy.
1: Today we have some amazing, brilliant Halifax-based femmes on the show to talk to us about what the word fem means to them, how the word fem challenges the gender binary, and the fantastic and problematic history it's rooted in.
0: Please enjoy and be challenged by our roundtable with these magical panelists that have given their time for this project.
5: My name is Carmela. Uh, I am a femme prince extraordinaire. Uh, I am very into talking about care politics. Uh, I like talking about building up femme brilliance and magic, uh, and I feel really lucky to be able to do those things through my work at Venus Envy and my work at South House.
6: My name is Ariel, and I am, like, I call myself the, the Femme Fat Supreme. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the operations manager of Venus Envy, and I'm super passionate about working with education, with intersections in transness and fatness and... Being a person of color,
7: and I am Kelly, hey. and I'm just a little queerto weirdo. I just like hanging out with my friends and doing stuff with other trans people and femme people and watching anime.
3: My name is Rhiannon, um, and a fun fact: I like to knit.
4: My name's Christina Raquel. And a fun fact about me is that when somebody asked me today if I'd seen any dogs, I couldn't recall any, but I'm pretty sure I did.
2: Hi, my name's Natalia. I'm really craving plantains right now. Mm. Mmm.
4: Describe
1: uh, your femme aesthetic.
6: I feel like a lot of my femme crushes are the femmes in the city who make it such a safe space Mm -hmm. for us all to get together and do something like this. Y'all are my fam crushes.
5: Ariella, you're my fam crush. I
3: got gel nails for the first time in October. Um, I called it wedding season because I went to two weddings and two weekends, Um, (laughs) and wedding season was great this year. Uh, I I have never felt more like powerful and majestic as having gel nails, and I have never taken more pictures of my hands um Uh (laughs) just like playing with my hair and like smoking and like holding things and tapping things and just like using these nails uh that was amazing um and a really great period of my life um and the other thing I thought of with this question was um an interview Nicki Minaj did a couple years ago where she talked about how um when men in the entertainment industry are assertive, um, people think they're like bossed up. But when women are assertive, um, they're labeled like a bitch, sorry for swearing. It's um, like a quote. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Minaj
4: said it. Didn't want to misquote Nikki. Nikki Minaj said it. It's okay. Yes. yes.
3: Thank
7: you. That's the loophole. <laughs> That's <not. laughs>
3: <laughs> um, and I, <laughs> I, I think about that um, a lot because over the past couple of years, like exploring my my femness and my gender, um, you know, I I used to be in spaces where I didn't think about the space I took up or um, the amount I spoke or mm-hmm. things like that, and then discovering my femness, I became more and more in tune with that, and I would. Mm-hmm silence myself I would censor myself um Mm -hmm. and I could see myself retracting Mm -hmm. um so I I brought up that interview because it's like reminding myself that it's okay to be um assertive as a femme as a woman Mm -hmm. um it's okay to you know demand what I'm worth um or to to ask for respect or like um I guess not ask respect but uh yeah, and to, to, to let myself know that I'm still like worth it.
4: My answer is really embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but I'm gonna say it anyway, because it's the truth. Because I mean, I could make up a bunch of, and I could say a, re- a lot of really profound things. I uh, have it in me. But it, the truth is, when I think of femme aesthetics and, and where I draw my femme from, there's a teenager within me that was really enamored by Courtney Love. And also Drew Barrymore at the same time. (laughs) And also the fact that those two had a really magical friendship and they could have been like pit against each other, like, oh, two fierce femmes, you know, going at it, cat fight, whatever. But they were like, no, we're holding hands, get over it. Um, There's some like lovely pictures from the 90s of them just like crushing on each other. It's beautiful. And I, I just, oh my God, Courtney Love, just, Completely. So, you know, I'm thinking of like my mom telling me to close my legs and sit like a lady, and Cordy Loves comes on stage falling down runs in her stockings showing her underwear on purpose and people are clapping and listening to her and when someone cuts her off she's like shut up I was talking and I'm like you are everything (laughs) um because you and she's she's totally femme she's not doing it in this like butch masculine way Mm -hmm. she's she's femming it up mm-hmm. and is so fierce and just like people are listening to her and hanging off of her every word and I'm like, yes, this is what I want, this is what I need. Um so there's definitely times where I'm like, oh I'm not dainty enough. I'm not because I'm I'm outspoken. That's one word for it. Or, you know, I just don't like to be shushed or I don't even know what to call it. Um my mom calls it opinionated. But like at that the fact that I'm like, you know, those examples exist. I mean, Nicki Minaj came later. But <laughs> 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 Courtney Love, yeah, I still I still think about that. And I also think about Drew Barrymore. And I think about how they were, like, talking about their sexuality, being really open about their body, and not necessarily, like, not asking to be sexualized because of it. Of, mm-hmm. like, yes, I'm naked, but you don't have to ogle at me or sexualize me or catcall me. Uh, I'm expressing something that's really important to me, mm-hmm. and I, I think all of those things are just so the,
2: important. The first thing that came up is storm from X Men. Just like definitely, yeah. absolutely, like fem aesthetics, fem energy, storm right here from X Men over here. <laughs> Thank you. <That's> awesome. <laughs> and when I think of aesthetics. Um, I think of, again, like it, it all comes back to ancestry when I think of how I'm working on externalizing my femme, because it, it's something that I am working on and would like to be able to do more um, mm-hmm. as I build safer spaces for myself in this world or like create more safety. Um, some of the ways in which I'm doing that is um, through, well, my hair, for example, is I have my hair in locks and that's very much a Reminder on of, on my body of my African descent, and it's also like, it's it's flagging, right? It's like, I'm flagging African descent, and I think of I think of jewelry. I think of gold, and um, I think if I can tell like a short story. So, I'm of Dino descent, and Dinos are the first folks who uh, found Columbus when he crashed. Columbus, who I'm gonna call Colon. So when Colon crashed, um, well. He was He was greeted by my ancestors and saw the um, adornments that my ancestors were wearing on their bodies. and, and one of these adornments was um, were like piercings and jewelry, and specifically septum piercings that were made of gold. Yeah, when he saw these septum piercings, he like realized that he could uh, exploit the land and the people of that land to get more gold. So in, in, like in fact, um, some of the first indigenous folks that lived under slavery, in this part of the world were forced to work in gold mines, gold mines to send gold to Spain. So I think of that story and I think of the way that something that was sacred and beautiful and an adornment um, on our bodies was taken by white capitalist colonial greed and just like contorted into what the gold industry is today which is just absolutely disgusting. I have a desire to put gold, even if it 's not real gold, even if it's just the color, to put that on my body, to remember that, but also to like go beyond that story, to like go behind that story and go back to like that this is this is not what gold has to mean like i can mm-hmm. I can push beyond this violent reality, which is what it is now, and I can go back to like what it was to my ancestors, which was this sacred adornment that was was coming from, like, an actual loving relationship with the land.
1: Yeah, what is your femme rooted in, slash, how does your femme ancestry influence your current femme brilliance? So, yeah, a question that begs us to think of potential legacies before us Mm -hmm. and how they frame, yeah, our present and our future. Mm -hmm.
6: I feel like my femme is rooted in a lot of sadness. Mm -hmm. Um mainly because the intergenerational trauma that my past fems went through in regards to like residential schools um, and colonization and displacement and all those really bad things that happened to indigenous folks. Um, and it was kind of passed down from femme to fem as I grew up and I noticed the femmes in my life taking care of their children and their parents and forgetting to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And how I want to be that person who is strong and takes care of other people but also knows to take care of myself.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that definitely a lot of my femme is rooted in intergenerational trauma and also intergenerational brilliance um, but the intersection of trauma and brilliance is like a thing that I can't really tease apart um, I also think that my femme is really influenced by a legacy of caring for wounded masculinity and um, the ways in which th- that has shown up in my family are through uh, generations of men who have been wounded because of war and PTSD and colonization and um, and lack of access to family and home. And I think that a lot of my femme has been influenced by learning to care for that masculinity um, and centering that masculinity in ways that are are hard, uh, but are also integral to the ways in which I've been taught about care work. Uh, So it's really complicated. Um, I also, think so much about my BB, which is uh, the Farsi word for grandmother, uh, and her feminine, like just how she taught me to uh, to hold care work in such an incredible, multidimensional, trauma-informed, intersectional approach, all words that she would not use or say. Um, and I think just seeing this incredible brown powerhouse refuse to learn Um, English and just uh, hold her own and hold such magic and wisdom um, with such confidence was instrumental uh, in who I am today. Um, And also just my own mother um, in the ways in which she, she knew like I just feel like she, like my mom, always knew when something was wrong, and just mm-hmm. like this, it had this intuition that I really, um, I'm trying to get back in touch with for my own self. I don't know all these different parts. Um, yeah, making up parts of myself.
4: Um, yeah, for me, it's definitely tied to all of the amazing badass femmes um, of my namesake, of my roots, my ancestry. Um, all of the amazing femme labor I've witnessed, um, and also um, I guess the femme that I'm named after, my grandmother Raquel, um, who is this woman who um, was in the role of the head of the household, which is like, you know, I come from like traditional South American culture. That is something that isn't usually present in that kind of culture and um, raising all of these men, and doing a really badass job, and still being like completely femme and doing that, and had people just stop and listen to her. Mm-hmm. How does race yeah. intersect with your femme identity?
5: Oh my god.
1: How does it show up? Oh, so happy. Um, We're going there. <laughs> By the I, way, I'm Oprah. Hi. <laughs> hey. my God,
5: Oprah. So nice to see you. I want a Prius. <laughs> <laughs> you get a Prius. You get a Prius.
6: Um, I feel like how queerness intersects with my femme identity is a lot more complicated than a lot of people would think as like a trans femme um, growing up. With a lot of like toxic masculinity and things that were taught to me as I was growing up. Um, And then being told that I'm like not queer enough as a trans femme, I'm living my life Mm -hmm. too binary now. Um, And trying to get past that. And being like, I'm this trans femme who dates cis white men and how problematic that is and understanding that that is problematic and focusing on why am I attracted to these things? What makes white masculinity so attractive to me? Mm. Um, And I feel like race and queerness and how they intersect with my femme is really similar Mm -hmm. in that way. Like, why should I feel the need to be more queer or why should I feel the need To be attracted to more people of color and like why I I have these thinking patterns and like dismantling them.
1: Like decolonizing your desire. Yeah.
6: Yeah. And I feel like that's how they intersect with me because like I've learned so much about myself so far, but I need to learn more and I'm still getting past all of these things that were taught to me.
8: Mm.
3: My like femme identity kind of like threw a wrench in aspects of my queerness um, where like before I was comfortable identifying as like um, a gay man and then like a non-binary person um, who was mostly interested in men um, and then I reached a point where I was like to femme for gay men, to uh, like masculine or something for straight men. Um, And I've been exploring my queerness over the past couple years, I guess, but it's still a lot of question marks.
4: I think my queerness is essential to my femme and also my racial identity Um, is also essential to my femme. I do not identify with uh, white womanhood, white feminism, or um, the cis women straight spaces. Uh, I feel very uncomfortable in those spaces. I feel like the femme that's presented isn't something that I identify with at all. Um, I work in a childcare field, which is primarily occupied by cis women and I have a very hard time, because there's a lot of like us ladies, us women, all of us here, Um, and and I feel like everything that follows that sentence always makes me uncomfortable because I don't identify with what they're saying. Um, I feel like, to bring the kind of femme that I feel like I embody, uh, I need to be seen as my whole self, which is a queer woman, which is a queer Latino woman and if those other pieces are missing, uh, I, I feel like I'm not represented.
2: I also feel very much like, um, I don't feel, it's like, it's, my feminist is inextricable from my queerness and my race, as is every part of my being. Um, and when I, think of, when I think of how my queerness has influenced my gender, I think, of, like, I remember uh, being being a young kid and having this like, so I, I was raised as a girl, I'm cis. Um, and th- I had this like very specific kind of femininity pushed on me and my response to that was um, pretty misogynist and one of like a, a lot of rejection and one of like taking on um, masculinity as a response to that. And at the, t- at the time I was in very straight spaces and I was moving as a straight, person and very much ignoring all of my um, queer as fuck crushes. (laughs) But when I came into queer spaces, um, I found that I then had a space um, where I could explore a feminist that was mine, that didn't have to be the feminist that I was expected to be, that I could like bring myself and be totally like non-conforming in all of my ways, and still and still find my feminist within myself, um, that I could also have masculinity, and that it didn't have to be one or the other, that I could. Um, that I didn't have to present a certain way um, in order to be femme, that my femme is just like, as I said, very much just like in my magic and in my power. And I think queerness and um, access to queer spaces and exploring the, my, my own queerness is, is what gave me space to um, work through my misogyny and um, just like tap into my femme again.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like my relationship with queerness is so, uh, it's like one of such love and one of such, um, Yeah, complicatedness. (laughs) Uh, I think when I first came out, um, when I was quite young, I think that the access that I had to queerness was a very specific kind of queerness, and uh, in the spaces that I was going to, it looked a really certain way. So, like in the spaces that I was accessing, the queerness that I was accessing were like a really like, yeah, white centric, Mm. um, kind of like centering of masculinity in in ways that were really hard. And so when I came to that as a young person, I was really under the impression that in order to be held within queerness, I had to uh, be masculine and ascribe to ideals of whiteness in ways that were really hard for me. Um, So, like, and I think that I rejected a lot of my femme around entering this Queer space as a young person because I thought that I couldn't hold femme and hold my queerness. Um, And I think that also is like complicated with race because um, I think a lie that I was told when I was younger was that my community, like my uh, cultural community, would never hold all the parts of me. Like my cultural community would never hold my queerness. My cultural community would never hold the trans parts of myself. Mm. Um, And that's not true. Uh, And in fact, queer spaces weren't holding all the parts of me um and so I think that that's it's hard sometimes I feel like I'm giving up parts of myself to exist in certain places and erasing other parts of myself to exist in other places it's really hard to balance um I'm just like hoping um and wishing um and doing a lot of work to help hold space um, for complexity within queer community uh, that will hold space for um, all the like intricacies that are me and our other folks uh, and hoping to also hold that and um, hold that same love and patience within my cultural communities.
7: I find like the two for me are like very much tied because like, uh, what like it's like January, February. It's January,
1: and tail end of January. <laughs> tail end of January, twenty uh, fourth or something, right?
7: Mm-hmm. I was like only like really coming to terms uh-huh. with like my queerness and my transness and my feminist like last year. Wow. So like, woo, what a whirlwind <laughs> this of is year 2060. It's been. That's wow so, so I just like feel like it's all just like really tied together. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. like uh, just.
1: It's still something you're kind of unpacking, okay? Hey, yeah, afterwards.
7: yeah. Just um, relearning desire, like relearning what it's like to just like exist in the world. Uh, yeah, but it's like good and like perfect, mm. but like messy and gross, mm. but like also uh, really good and perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, but they're just like very much tied. Awesome. In and Venus is like, they're just like, go hand-in-hand, hand, but in, like, a really gay way.
8: <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Yes. They go hand-in-hand in a hand uh, gay
1: way. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, take apart this idea of, like, relearning desire, like, decolonizing mm. desire. Like, yeah. what does that mean to... What does that utopia look like to y'all? Uh, for oh. me,
6: it feels like... My desires are something that I feel and not taught. So, um learning things about myself where like i'm attracted to this and why i'm attracted to this and just like feeling it out and just loving everyone i just want to love everyone mhm
8: mhm mhm yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah.
7: Just, like, allowing yourself to, like, desire the things you are like, for a long time. You're like, well, I can't desire that. I'm, I'm just a simple straight. <laughs> what is this? Oh, uh, no. What is just this? Just a simple straight.
5: Updating my yes. Tinder profile to say just a simple straight. Yeah. Just getting it on Tinder is too scary. <laughs> the worst the worst. Yeah,
7: scary. Uh, Ooh.
5: Yeah, I mean, like, when I think about decolonizing my desire or rewriting my desire, um, it's really scary because it allots me so much autonomy that I... Uh, i think for a long time was like i don't have that i i just am attracted to who am i attracted to and i and i can't shift that or change that or push that and um when i think that i can it's terrifying um because it talks about the fluidity of desire in a way that um in every community that i've ever been a part of that has not really been talked about or centered um in ways that are that ways that exist within like Straight spaces um, and also ways that exist in queer spaces in really like harmful, uh, biophobic and queerphobic ways and so um, it's really challenging literally everything uh, that I've been taught about desire, um, which is really hard to do and yeah again terrifying. Um, I think it's also about learning, learning about reevaluating the ways that I feel about my own desirability and the ways in which. Um, I can hold extreme babliness. Mm. Um, and I was reading Ask Shark Mom, um, which is a really incredible, like, ask and answer blog. And there was this really incredible, like, earth moving um, writing around femmes loving each other and how that's an act of radical resistance um, to Mm. violence against femme folks and how it's an act of like deep, deep, deep self-love because loving a femme is scary if you're a femme because it means looking in the mirror and like trying to examine the ways in which you are also lovable as a femme. Mm. And Mm. uh, that's really hard to do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and also just challenging the ways in which queerness is like, have you seen that meme, uh, Meme, yeah, of, <laughs> <laughs> of that thing that's like when queer presentation is and then it just has this loaf of bread thin white, and it says yeah. very thin and very <laughs> white. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. okay, well that's literally, no, uh, too real too real Yes, yeah, like it thanks a lot Tegan and Sarah like I oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I want right. to desire people who are not white masculine wearing plaid like, Whoa, uh, who are super <laughs> <laughs> like no hate for Tegan and Sarah like I reconciled, but it's just, it's hard if that's that's all you have and you're like 14 and you're just like, Mm. I don't look good in plaid. I just wanna wear drapey black fabrics (laughs) and sparkles. Mm.
6: (laughs) No heart, is
7: that you? (laughs)
5: Yeah,
6: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely feel like um, coming to terms with your own desirability is super important in how you desire other people Mm. coming to terms with like the feminist, the fatness the queerness, the mask or femme parts of yourself that make you who you are is really important. Mm
5: -hmm.
6: Love yourself. Yeah.
5: Yeah. And then then also, like, understanding that we're indoctrinated with, like, racism and we are living under, like, white supremacy and capitalism that tells us about who to desire and, yeah, exactly, what to desire and what deems success and what isn't successful and to, like, want to replicate success within the capitalist white supremacist construct, uh, and then look for other people that are doing that and then be attracted to them. And so um, for me also, like decolonizing my desire or rewriting my desire means that I have to confront like really ugly parts of myself. So I have to look at the anti-black racism that lives in my body, and I have to look mm-hmm. at the anti-indigenous yeah. racism that lives in my body. Mm-hmm. And I have to look at the deep-rooted classes and that is like in every pore of my body because I've been told my whole life that um, – in order to be successful, I have to access financial capital. In order to do that, I have to do a whole bunch of things that maybe I don't want to do. Um, and so just, yeah, just thinking about all those things um, and holding myself accountable um, and naming those truths that are really hard uh, to name sometimes.
1: Yeah. How do we move past the idea that fem identity is owned slash defined by cis people? How, do, how can we center trans fems?
3: Oftentimes when I see the word femme written somewhere, um, I do inherently assume that it isn't about like, a trans woman or a trans feminine, um, trans femme experience. I do assume that it's coming from some type of um, cis space or cis people. Um, Yeah, and it it can be alienating. And I know some of that is on me and my perception of things. But yeah, it's hard. Uh, Sometimes I also see um, femness as a a door into desirability in a way as a trans woman, Um, realizing that um, mm, I'm more palatable um, the more femme I am um, to a lot of people, Um, which is hard, but you know, I also do, I'm I'm a very stubborn person, um, and I do rebel against that in my own way, um, but in weird ways. Like, I, um, I have a pretty hairy back, and I don't shave my back because I can't really reach it, and it's like time-consuming, and just like, oh my God. It's like a law, it's an ordeal. Um, and when people tell me that they have a problem with it, my response is always, uh, you know, if you have an issue with my hairy back, like we can go get razors and you can shave it. Oh, but like, crazy. that one's on you, that one's not on me. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know, my my femness is, uh, is interesting. Yeah, the, the other thing I wrote down was, um, my fem is having stubble or a five o'clock shadow on my face mm-hmm. um, because I shave for the world every day. But I don't wear makeup for the world every day.
4: Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh. Folks that identify within the binary tend to be the ones that can claim masculine or feminine identities. And the non-binary folks are questioned specifically, specifically non-binary femmes. Um And I often think a lot about that. Um, so, and then it goes into the, trans women that pass as opposed to the trans women that don't and those who can you know claim the femme label and be believed um, but I feel like all of those terms everything I just said is like really messed up even though that, that's how society operates.
6: For me growing up um, I felt femme identity wasn't always just for cis white people, mm-hmm. uh, cis white women um, because growing up on indigenous land and learning at a young age about two-spirit people and how we're so magical mm-hmm. and we hold all that space and the transness of being two-spirit um, and just knowing that like it's not their space and it wasn't mm-hmm. until
1: colonization mm-hmm. truth mm-hmm. <laughs> and it how do we move away from competition with other femmes in terms of like jobs, attention, love and care and how do we hold each other up how do we, like for, fem. yeah. Femme, yeah. for, femme, for fem. Fem. femme femme for, for femme fem. <laughs> yes. femme for femme femme for femme
7: just like creating really beautiful tender communities of caring for each other mm-hmm. is like super important because yeah, just like when you have a bunch of people together that all just like, are just like feminine up, but like also super caring for each other mm-hmm. and, like spreading that tenderness and like really good vibes. Mm-hmm. Then it, it just like makes everything a lot easier. It really does.
4: Yeah. So I think about this a lot as well. I feel like I keep saying that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of thinking. Okay. Um, and I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think that exists outside of instances in which, at least me, I am competing for masculine attention.
8: Mm.
4: When my boss is a masculine person and mm. they are praising my coworker, I'm like, but I did as much work as she did and that's not okay. But if it's a femme offering some praise, I'm like, oh, that's you know, like good for my coworker. But the moment, yeah, I'm competing for this this gaze, I get, I get fierce and like not in a good way. Like sides of myself come up that I'm not proud of. And I think that is something that exists at its core. Like I was thinking about the movie Mean Girls and it's like, oh, girl hate, whatever. But then there's this whole storyline of this boy and competition for this boy and his mm. attention. And I'm like, I think that exists and I see it, and I think that's like part of, you know, working on it because it's something I definitely want to work on. Is I see it, and I feel that like as much as I'm dismantling that, when I get focused attention from a person in a position of power, and uh, <laughs> a white cis straight male is like ultimate power, there is something intoxicating about that, mm. about that attention, about that praise, and I want more. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I need, what I need to do in that situation is a decenter that person. It's like, oh, I care about, I care about what you're saying because you're, you have this power. I need to take that power away and be like, you know what? It actually doesn't matter that much. And even though I'm having these feelings inside, I know that that's where this is coming from. It's coming from a power dynamic. It's an imbalance. I need to step away. And center the femmes in the room.
3: I saw a picture this week um, as I was looking up uh, affirmations on Google. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there's a picture that says her success is not your failure. Mm -hmm. Um, So like her or their success is not your failure. I think that's a good, it's like a good mantra for for femmes, you know, holding holding each other up, um, holding each other in tough times, like praising each other, um, and I think that's something that I I try and do in my life. Um, I try and spend more of my energy on uh, femme people. Um, mm-hmm. The the other thing my mind went to with how do we hold each other up was. Um, emotional support which does like constantly fall on femme people Mm -hmm. but there was like a really really profound moment for me this summer when um a lot was going on and I was just um dealing with a lot of stuff that wasn't necessarily mine and um one of my femme friends stopped me one day and was like you do a lot of emotional support like a lot of people put their on you and you you just deal with that and it made me really um reflect more on the ways that emotional support is regulated to femme people and it's almost like expected in some ways Mm -hmm. um especially from men um and like mask people but that the, the flip side of that is um there's a certain beauty in in femmes being able to emotionally support each other Um, and like you know it's maybe it's like a catch-22 or something but a a lot of femmes are good at emotional labor so maybe we're good at supporting each other
8: (laughs) 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 it's true (laughs) we're gonna do it (laughs)
2: It's true though and and like when we when we bring our like loving and caring skills to each other it's so nourishing mm-hmm. to like all of us and it you know like we end up walking away with more capacity instead of being completely drained as is often what happens yeah. when people are just expecting or demanding this care from us.
3: Mm-hmm. There <laughs> this is a weird example but um <laughs> But like, there's just such this like, uh, maybe it's relaxed, maybe it's this comfortable um, air around um, feminists or femme people in like more like femme or women's maybe spaces. Um, I I use women because it's like the example I'm going to use, but going from using um, men's bathrooms to women's bathrooms was like Mm. an incredible difference, which I didn't realize, but. You know, you go into a men's bathroom, everybody's like on autopilot, nobody talks to each other. Um, You decidedly stand very far apart from each other and there's just this like very like tense, solitary, uh, like I might know you but I'm not gonna address you, um, Mm -hmm. nature to it. But then, like, I started using women's bathrooms, and I was like, this place rocks. Like, do you guys just want to hang out? Or like, oh my God, could I, like, fix your hair? Like, and it was just this really positive and empowering environment, Um, and something I didn't expect.
1: Mm. (laughs) I think that's, thank you so much for
2: sharing that. That's amazing. (laughs) I think when I think of like, um, femmes being pinned up against each other, I think of like the, um, I guess I think of the why, like where this comes from. And, um, Christina, you were sharing about like masculinity and how there's like a centering of this and like needing this like attention and approval that's d- totally indoctrinated into us. Um, and I think of like, the reality that femmes are, yeah, we're these super, these these incredibly powerful beings. Like fem, th- fem energy is super powerful. Um, and Rhiannon, you were talking about this care. That's like there is so much power in that capacity to care for complete strangers, mm-hmm. right? And and that that's like that is that is like part of this fem magic. And I think of queerness, and there's like this incredible magic to queerness this this space of like just like like walking right up to walls and just you know dismantling those walls brick by brick you know and i think of um and i think of folks of color and i think of our our magic that we are working so hard to reclaim and tap into and then i think of like the intersection of these three you know like feminist, queerness and folks of color, like if you have, you know, even two of these intersecting, you are like an incredibly powerful being. But I think of like, you know, like queer femmes, queer femmes of color coming together and supporting each other and caring for each other and centering each other. And that is so dangerous to the world. That Mm -hmm. is so dangerous, right? And, and, And that like keeping us apart, that like keeping us striving for, Um, white masculine straight attention is is totally intentional and I think if we like sit down and just think about that and think about how intentional it is and think about how much magic we can tap into if we um, start bringing that care to each other and start Mm -hmm. holding each other up, I think you know maybe that's a place to start.
5: I feel like I'm a capitalism guy, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, are you a capitalism guy? Oh, yeah, it's just me. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> when I think about um, narratives of scarcity, uh, and, like, that's where I really think of where competition comes from because it's the idea that there's only so much things, and, like, because of that, we all only can access either a really small part of that small thing or are left with nothing. Um and that's really scary and violent, and it's a tool uh, that tells uh, tells femmes that we can't support each other because we have to be too busy surviving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an intentional lie that we're told. Uh, so I, I really feel like building, like what Kelly said, uh, communities that are holding um, and loving and patient and cultivating intergenerational wisdom and brilliance and magic and also are directly, Threatening that idea of scarcity by holding this like idea that I like to call femme abundance, which is just like the idea that there's uh, a surplus amount of love and energy that can be um, shared and resourced within each other, um, and it's also like reinventing uh, support systems. So holding each other in ways that are supportive through peer versus like um, relying on systems that don't see all the pieces of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, or vesting our interests in um, systems of power and domination that aim to hurt us and tear Mm. us apart. Uh, So like reinventing what uh, autonomy and safety can look like within our own spaces and uh, holding each other accountable and participating in community accountability processes without involving uh, like the cops, for example. Um, Mm. And like doing that in ways, of course, that are forever working to be safer and more uh, expressive of of our needs, but just like holding alternatives to systems that are not there to, to hold us mm-hmm. uh, when we can. Of course, there's obviously times when that isn't a safe option. Um, but yeah, just wanting to prioritize that community wisdom.
7: You said it all.
5: <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. Literally, check, check, check.
6: Um, building a community is super important. Bringing femmes of different backgrounds into one space and talking about our backgrounds, where we come from, what is important to us. It's super important, getting to know each other and learning to love each other for everything that we are. Mm. I feel is super important. Mm-hmm. We just need to hang out more.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not just assume that like in order to come together, we have to listen and see where everybody comes from mm-hmm. and not just uh, assume that we can just, You, we're all on like the same playing ground. For mm-hmm. each femme to be for each femme. Fem, yeah. <laughs> fem for femme. All yeah. of us yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that, femme for femme. I also yeah. just,
5: like, I don't know, thinking about community and intentionality, um, I'm just, like, also thinking about institutionalization as a way that has, is it, like, a systemic thing um, that separates femmes? And uh, I think a lot about uh, femmes were are told uh, that they're, like, crazy or too much or uh, sick and are separated from their other, like, femme... Counterparts or communities and isolated, and I, and I just think that like building community that is centered around holding femmes up is subversing that narrative and is uh, radically transformative healing work. And so I just think about like the lineage of femmes who haven't had access to space and community because of those narratives, and I that makes the my wish and hope for holding community even stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, within, like, all of the complexities of fem. So, like, survivorhood or, like, complicating survivorhood or, um, yeah, just all those pieces. Really thinking about that.
6: And I feel like one of the most important things is to have femme groups and fem times together, but also being super diverse in the fems that are involved. There's a lot of femme spaces in Halifax that are primarily white cis yeah, mm-hmm. and um we need to work on making these spaces more comfortable for people of color and trans folks mm.
5: real yeah it's very real that's me snapping yeah,
6: yeah. <laughs> snap 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 um,
1: that takes a lot of uh accountability and yeah self-reflection that not everybody's like uh it's like to think about it for the first time sometimes it can be scary but at the same time mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, if you're really femme for femme you gotta <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I know
6: definitely. uh especially as a trans femme mm-hmm. of color, how going into those spaces can mm. be really terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially primarily white spaces as like a person of color and how those spaces can feel very intimidating and scary. Mm-hmm. And you just have to like Get other friends of color and go together. Mm-hmm. Support each other. Mm-hmm. Make these spaces available for everyone.
8: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's an like an interesting question to think of, especially given like the the Women's March when we think a lot about like gender as the gender genitalia, w- like women with a Y and mm. like a. Yeah, me yeah. and Carmela
6: had that conversation mm-hmm. earlier about how full of rage we were about all of the things just about the colors of our bodies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or what genitals that we have make us a woman and you're basically cutting out a huge portion of us and not being inclusive of us especially in that space was really violent Mm mm-hmm
7: but yeah, just like feeling that the the prongs of hostility extending from like the cis femmes uh towards us trans femmes, especially like this time mm-hmm. with like the women's march going on and uh, just yeah, yeah. It's like really feeling like <laughs>
5: Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Ugh, all those, yeah, identify with all those sounds. Yes. <laughs> You're um, being amazing right now. <laughs> just
6: the screeches. Those yeah. are the noises. All I have mm-hmm.
7: are sounds. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like. I've had so many really uncomfortable conversations uh, with well-meaning cis ladies lately uh, who are like, okay, so I was at the Women's March, and I felt uncomfortable because there were signs about genitalia condemning men. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so I think that like, in these conversations, it's become clear that these uh, cis women have been more concerned about like, their... Uh, Cis boyfriends or husbands feeling comfortable at these women's marches Mm -hmm. uh, than like trans women, trans femmes, Mm -hmm. uh, non binary femmes, uh, non binary folk, uh, which just feels so hard and so violent. Not femme for femme. Yeah, that is not femme for femme. And (laughs) it's just, it it just feels, yeah, it just feels really hard. And I think that there's um, a long and complex history of uh trans folk holding a lot of space uh for cis folk in ways that are like, okay, yeah, we're on your team. We're gonna dismantle patriarchy. We're gonna dismantle these things that are hurting uh are hurting you. We're gonna talk about sexism. We're gonna talk about the realities that exist here. Uh and then I feel like the history then is like and then the cis folk are like totally except not about you and you're not invited and we're just going to talk over you and uh, actually thanks for all this incredible brilliance and knowledge and you're no longer invited to sit at this table. Um, and that just feels really, really hard. So I think like about my experience, it was vastly different from one of a trans woman or trans femme, but mm-hmm. also... Um, feeling the weird bio-essentialism that is existing within those women's marches um, and the assumptions that are made about my body and my gender uh, based on arbitrary things like the sound of my voice or how much eyeliner I'm wearing. Uh, and then also uh, just like the deep rage that I think is within those histories of like, okay, in my own self, showing up for uh, cis feminists and cis women and uh, really— providing I think a lot of care and a lot of love and a lot of tenderness Mm -hmm. uh, and having that uh, being like taken and exploited and then uh, not feeling held and not that I need to feel held in return but just like I want to feel some kind of like connection and I think that's important Um, yeah so I think just feeling disappointed and sad about that
0: Thanks for tuning in to our panel today. Uh, today you heard music from Princess Nokia, Solange, and Astra.
1: Thank you so much for listening. It takes a whole team of hardworking folks to make this program happen. We couldn't do this without our producer, Allie Graham, or Carmela Faragbash, who helps us with show outreach.
0: Thank you again to all our brilliant panelists and contributors, and thank you for tuning in. Our next episode
1: is on February 9th, so mark your calendars.
0: I'm Rebecca. And I'm Shy Shaq, And we'll see you on February 9th. Bye. Who
1: that is? That girl is a con. That girl is a farm. Did you say I said that femme is a farm boy. Yeah. Yeah. That femme is a...